it was it was a pretty hectic evening. I actually <laughs> leaving the opening ceremony, I, I left with a meter tall sparkly silver crown <laughs> and other people left with all different costumes taken from the closing ceremony. And so you have in the ground floor of the Australian building and the German building there's all these weird costumes and crowns and oh it's such a fun evening. Welcome to Loud and Seemingly Confident, the podcast for introverts, extroverts, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Chelsea Heaney, and my guest today is a synchronized swimmer who competed with the Australian team at the 2016 Rio Olympics and will be competing at the 2021 Tokyo Olympics through COVID. Please welcome to the show, Amy Thompson. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you here. How's your day going? Really, really well. How's yours? Um, it's good. It's good. You're over in, in Perth. Is it nice and sunny over there? A little bit. A bit cloudy. <laughs> A little bit cloudy. I, um, my family lived in Perth before I was born, and I have lots of relatives over there. And I remember we were over there on holiday one time, and it was August, and I'm from Melbourne originally, so it's always, like, raining. And, and it was August, and it was beautiful, and we were at the beach. And I was like, why did you guys ever leave Perth? Um, we could have had this all the time. <laughs> it's really nice. I, lo- I love it here. I grew up in Sydney and mm. I moved here for the Olympics, actually. My family still lives there. And um, people always ask me, are you going to go back? And I'm like, no, no, no. I really need <laughs> uh, Well, speaking of the Olympics, how did you get into synchronized swimming? Um, I tried swimming because my brother was really good at that so I was just trying to copy him and I was also trying <laughs> gymnastics and all the other you know, conventional sports that you you try out as a young young kid and like I wasn't very good at any of them um I recently found a video of myself doing a little gymnastics routine I was probably about eight but I was really 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 bad <laughs> really bad and, and I coach now so I see young girls that age doing gymnastics like things and so I can identify when it looks good or not <laughs> and I was really bad and then someone suggested to try synchro so then I found something that combined two things that I was not very good at swimming and gymnastics and it brought along something that took my heart from day one and turns out that I'm not terrible at that's really cool so how old were you did you say uh when I started I was about 10 and I did a year of recreational just once a week and then that was actually when I lived in London and then when we moved to Sydney when I was 12 I started to um, train properly and start competing yeah Yeah. so I was I was gonna ask there's like lots of you know gymnastic clubs and there's lots of of you know swimming like lap swimming clubs are there that many synchronized swimming clubs for when you get started no not (laughs) as many as other sports it is getting a lot bigger than it used to be so Perth now has two clubs one north of the river one south of the river yeah I I coach at the south of the river one but uh, yeah there's not too many options for synchro when compared to gymnastics or swimming yeah, because it is quite, you know, a niche thing, like you said, you know, sort of swimming, gymnastics, you know, 
all those sorts of things are, are things that you know kids will typically try as as they're growing up but but synchros it's so specific it's so cool my my mum will be annoyed if I don't mention she did synchronized swimming when she was younger um because she did um she trained as a swimmer um and they did do synchronized swimming for a little bit um but I will say she's not as good as you she did not go to the Olympics for it so (laughs) what is it that you love about it oh I love so much I love when you get out of the water you've moved every single body part and use every single muscle in all different planes of movement so when I go for a run you know you're in that single plane of movement you're using sort of the same muscles over and over and over which is magical in its own right but synchro you use all planes of movement it's a full body workout I also love the um the team atmosphere that we have working mm-hmm. together for a common goal I love that I love the artistic side and I love that it's so deceptive. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, everyone thinks synchro is quite easy, but ask any synchronized swimmer and we'll tell you it's the most difficult sport because you have to make it look easy. You can't just do this. You can't just do the sport in whichever way is going to make you look the best. You have to yeah. do the sport and match seven other athletes yeah. and also still try and be the best which may not always be the perfect way for you yeah um so there's that and then you're not breathing for half of it you have to make it look easy you're in the water you have nothing to push off you have to be flexible you have to be strong you have to be synchronized like i go on forever trying to say my my sport (laughs) but i love that 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 part of it as well yeah i will say i look at synchronized swimming and i go that looks freaking difficult particularly I mean just everything about it but particularly the the holding your breath how long can you hold your breath for Uh, I don't know we train we don't ever just hold our breath we always hold our breath in the middle of training sessions so our heart rates are really high and we're in the middle of workouts or in the middle of a routine Uh, there is a limit for how long you can hold your breath in a routine and that is 40 or 45 seconds Wow, that's really long. Well, I didn't know there was a limit. That's really interesting. Yeah, is that people, a safety precaution? Out. Yeah, in 2008, at the end of the Japanese routine, they it's a three-minute or four-minute routine, and they finished, and one girl just sunk to the bottom of the pool, oh, and shit. her teammates had to swim down and save her. And I think it was after that that they implemented the, the second rule because when we are – uh, we're underwater and then we're above water underwater above water and we always finish a routine with an underwater section with lots of legs something very intense and I think that uh, section was just too long yeah. at the end of a routine so that's where they put the limit oh my god that would be so terrifying getting out of the pool and just seeing one of your teammates at the bottom oh my god that's terrifying yeah. it's a very yeah. good rule that they've put in place but you mm-hmm. made a, you made a good point is it's not just that you're holding your breath like you can take a deep breath and sit underwater you're also exerting so much energy at the same time so yeah it's insane that you can hold your breath for that long <laughs> Is that something you you practice in in training as well? Did you have when you first started? How long did it take you to get used to holding your breath? Oh, that's a good question. Difficult to pinpoint. As a coach, um, my young athletes they find it difficult at times to do twenty five meters underwater, especially when it's in in within the workout. 
Yeah. But then when we are just when our heart rate's down and I just let them go, then they they can do 25 meters underwater. So they're about 13 to 14 years old. So I'd say about that age, I was I was similar. Where yeah. when my heart rate's low, I can do 25 quite quite easily. But when my heart rate's high, I found it quite difficult. Now it's um doing 25 in the middle of a workout. It's sort of non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, you mentioned in your your list of things why you love it is that it is quite artistic. Um, now it's obviously um a very difficult sport, have you noted? But as it does have that performative side to it, do you see it more as a sport or as a performance, or is it is it definitely that combination of both? definitely a combination because it's such a technical sport it's mm. an extremely technical sport if you don't have the technical base from when you started from when you're under 10 years old there's almost no hope for you to get a good technical base yeah so it's a yeah it's a very technical sport but then you also 30 percent of your score is artistic impression so that comes under telling the story of your routine and selling selling the show to the to the judges yeah now it has I as I was sort of doing some research on this I see that sometimes it's called synchronized swimming and in other places it's called artistic swimming is there a, a difference between those two what term do you prefer it's the it's the same thing we were we actually had a name change in 2017 so not actually allowed to call ourselves synchronized swimming anymore we oh, are okay swimming yep and no one in the synchronized swimming world actually likes that. Well, oh, actually, yeah. I, I won't say no. I'll, I won't say that because there are some. And what I think what they were trying to do is they're trying to align it a bit more with gymnastics. So, you know how they have artistic gymnastics. Yeah. And it's also opened up the sport to a bit more artistic creativity because now we are artistic swimming. Yeah. So we can have really difficult routines, but make them really artistic as well. And actually making them more artistic often makes it more difficult. Yeah, that's fair but enough. But yes, we are artistic swimming. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like um, because it has that that performative aspect, do you feel like it gets the recognition it deserves as a sport? Um, I don't think – I haven't noticed that the name change has made that much of a difference. Oh, I mean, just the sport in general is is very performative, Um so do you, yeah, do you, I mean, if you think it does, that's awesome. I just wanted to ask what, what your thought was on that. If you think it gets, you know, that's that same recognition or has any stigma against it, it or anything. Yeah, no, I think because it is, it has that artistic side, it, a lot of people don't respect the sport mm. as much as I think that everyone should. A lot of people, and that's often the reason why people think that it is a lot easier than it is yeah. because there's that artistic aspect. Whereas the artistic aspect doesn't make it easy, it makes it harder. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like you said, you know, it's not just about being the best, it's about fitting in with everybody else's movement as well. And I assume that's something you guys get massively um, judged on in competitions is that being in sync. Um, yeah. How – just how? Just how do you do that? Like, obviously, you guys – you know train like crazy but how do you know that your leg is moving in the exact same way as somebody else's and how do you so when, all of when that? we break it down you break the routine down you everything has a count we count 
they count the music like one two three four five six seven eight one two three four or sixes or fours or whatever it is and there is a movement on every single count it's either yeah. a movement or you're holding something or you're underwater but there is something on every single count so we could technically write out our entire routines on a piece of paper count yeah. by count and so as long as you are doing what you're supposed to be doing on that count then theoretically if eight people are doing that it should look perfect and um, it's very true with experience though you get to know when you lift your leg are you lifting it the correct amount are you lifting it to 90 degrees or 45 degrees but that's where the coach comes in of course yeah absolutely and um, sometimes you think you're on the right counts but you're not yeah you think you are so. do you guys can you guys hear the music when you're underwater yeah we have underwater speaker ah I thought it might have been like headphones or something but speaker probably makes more sense yeah <laughs> um what I mean, this is probably encapsulated in all, all all stuff we've just said. But what do you think is the most challenging part um, of artistic swimming? I think it's all, all for. I guess it's different for everyone because everyone has different strengths. But I would say it's the technical aspect of it of the sport. Yeah. Uh, the artistic aspect and the the power side of the sport. That the, I guess them or my strengths. Are, I find the technical part of the sport very challenging. Yeah. And so does your coach come up with the routine and all of that, or is there somebody else aside from the coach who comes up with all of that? So it's different for each routine you make. There's been some routines that have been a collaboration between the coach and the athlete, other routines where it's been more athlete-driven, especially when it's more a solo or a duet, and then – sometimes we buy a routine from uh, a club and oh, okay. that routine yeah or sometimes the coach just will choreograph it and yeah follow yeah. but I think personally for the sport and for the development of athletes I think it's much better to make it a collaboration and more athlete driven because then the athletes are invested in the routine yeah. And it's their movement, so it's movement that's natural to their bodies, so they're more likely to swim it better as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have to ask a question about something you just said. How do you do a solo synchronised swimming team? <laughs> routine? Yeah, so you, it's more about moving to the music. It's, I guess you don't really synchronise with other people, of course, but <laughs> it's still the sport. It's very interesting to watch solos because it's a lot more fluid movement than are in duets and teams and a lot more complicated moves and uh, they're shorter routines but I guess it's all about synchronizing with the with the music and I think you can be a little bit more emotive as well in solos yeah and I guess pulling off the you know technique really well and and all those things yeah um what is your training like how many you know days a week hours what do you do to train during COVID or I mean just generally probably not during COVID (laughs) yeah during COVID was greatly reduced hours um but usually we do five minimum five days a week we'll do five pool sessions of at least two and a half hours in the pool and then two gym sessions on top of that now that's just because we actually we're decentralized programs so only half of the team is here in Perth so there's only so much that we can do yeah so we can't but when we are all together as the team working on the routine on synchronization as a team then we spend about six hours a day in the pool 
duet is on top of that and we'll do about an hour or maybe a bit more of land as well so we actually next friday we're going to canberra and we're going on a two and a bit week training camp oh we should have scheduled this for next friday (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're going there and we're doing training camp there and i haven't got the schedule yet but usually yeah that's about six hours in the pool every day we'll get one day off a week yeah wow that's so much and do you um like study or have any other work on top of all of that yeah so this semester I've actually been doing three units at uni I've been coaching I've been working an office job at a solar company and doing the however many hours of training I've been doing which has been team and duet on top oh my god are you okay that sounds hectic (laughs) (laughs) it is it's been a busy time and I've also been trying to prioritize a lot of social things as well because I pushed them out of my life for a long time and it's it's not conducive to any sort of productivity or mental health. So I've been making sure I do that. But all my socialising is at 5 or 6 a.m. <laughs> Whilst <laughs> it's like my run club or, or going in the ocean and getting coffee or something. It's the only time I can fit it in. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is... That is an insane lifestyle, but it seems to suit you. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. That's awesome. Um, Now, I do want to get onto the Olympics, but before I get onto that, I wanted to ask um, about uh, what you think of of when you see synchronised swimming in in movies and TV shows and stuff. Like, it was really big in in old Hollywood, um, movies about old Hollywood. The one that comes to mind for me is the proposal scene in Glee. Um, actually, I don't know I if you've seen. No, I haven't, but I think I've just seen that scene. I don't watch Glee, but I think I've seen that scene. Yeah. Um, there's some move of the old movies, they portray more water ballet, like the Annette yeah. Hellman and the Esther Williams, that's water ballet. And, and I guess that's what people think synchro is still. It's mm. not, it's come a long way. There yeah. are some movies that, I mean, Austin Powers, same thing, water ballet. <laughs> and then there's one about a male British synchronised swimming team that go to the male world championships. And it's a serious movie, like, and they, it, but they're not very good and the synchronised swimming <laughs> isn't great. But the team that wins the worlds when they go there, that team's quite good. Yeah. It's full of men, but it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, are there a lot of male synchronised swimming teams? Because I noticed the Australian team is is just female. Um, yeah, so it is an all-female sport at the Olympics. Yeah. And teams and solos are all female only. Yeah. But at World Championships and now at our national championships here in Australia and a lot of countries have this as well as mixed duets. So it's a duet guy and a girl. It's kind of like oh, head okay. figure skating. Yeah. yeah. But that only came into the World Championships in 2015. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there'd be a lot of a lot of people maybe just starting up. A lot of um, men maybe just starting up mm-hmm. in synchronous that started up. Yeah. Now, the Olympics. Tell oh. me about how did you get on the team? Do you have to qualify for the team and then the team qualifies for the Olympics? Is that how it works? Other way around. So other way around. The year before an Olympics is a world championship, and the way the Olympics works for synchro is that each continent gets a country that can go to the games oh okay so we there's a spot for oceania there's a spot for africa there's a spot for north and south north america south america there's this no just the americas yeah there's a spot for asia and there's a spot for europe so we get the oceania one because we beat 
New Zealand at the World Championships, which are before. But each continent has their own their own qualification process. So that's five teams. And then the next five teams are chosen at a qualification event three months out from the Games. Oh, wow. Okay. So then all the other teams will then go and go to that competition and the top five will go to the Games. And it's similar to duet. So each team that qualifies gets a duet. Yeah. And then the rest of the duets go to that qualification competition. And I think there are 24 duets and 10 teams. Oh, wow. Okay. There you go. I n- never knew that. At least with um, there's there's definitely less countries in Oceania than, say, you know, Europe. So you've probably lucked out. Uh, so we're, you know, I'm extremely grateful that we get this opportunity because if we had to qualify by merit, we wouldn't. We are not top 10 in the world. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. And neither neither is Egypt, but we both get spots for yeah. the Olympics. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the Olympics. It's all about bringing the world together because we're not the only sport that does this. I know of um, other sports where I think it was Saline. He was second in the world, but because he was the first was another Australian, he couldn't go. Something Aww. along those lines. And there's lots of other sports that are like that that have regional qualifications and I know a lot of European countries in synchro um, are really not happy about it of course because they're better than us and they don't get to go to the games but it's not they're not better than us because they work harder or because they want it more because they sacrifice more it's it's a a cultural thing and here in Australia we are restricted by the fact that when we're not centralized the, the national team is spread all over the country and we come together for training camps and also we just have a very different infrastructure within the sport here we're relatively new like the sport is relatively new here Mm. and we don't have as many coaches here we don't have as many clubs it's not as popular I know in other countries it's still not as popular but we do have certain restrictions here in Australia that result in us maybe not being as good but I don't think it is a reflection on the athlete's effort. No. Yeah, but that yeah. might just be coming from me as an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your experience like first going when you went to the Olympics in 2016? What, what, I don't know, yeah, what was your biggest, what maybe surprised you the most about going there? Oh, to be honest, how underwhelmed I was. Really? Yeah, I think I was expecting. Everyone had told me that the swim at the Olympics was going to be—it was going to be something different. It was going to be amazing, blah blah blah. And I was in the middle of the routine, and I remember just thinking, "Oh, this is just the normal routine. Nothing's different." And then we didn't get the scores that we wanted, so I was I wasn't really happy with that because I think I was so focused on the outcome instead of the process. Mm. Um, and the Olympic Village was awesome don't get me wrong but I I think I was just in such a focused focused headspace that I did enjoy it but I wasn't as overwhelmed as I was I thought I was going to be right do you think you'll when you eventually go to Tokyo if COVID allows do you think you'll enjoy it more without because you don't have as high expectations I think so I think so and I think I'll also I've learned a lot of lessons about how to enjoy it as well you know accept Mm. it for what it is and 
no matter what the score is, you need to be proud of the journey and the sacrifices that we've made. We've sacrificed so much to pass. It would have been five-year cycle. You know, you've got to be proud of that no matter where you fall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned um, the Olympic Village there. Can can you tell us a bit about that and what that was like? Yeah, sure. So it's a bunch of apartment blocks, mm-hmm. big, huge apartment buildings. The big countries get most of the building, if not all the buildings. So Australia, we had most of our building with the middle floors being a few of the Pacific Islands. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, but Synchronous, I mean, scored the penthouse. Damn. Yeah. I don't know how we did that, but I think it might have been because we were at the end of the competition. So they wanted people who were at the end to still be able to focus and sleep, whereas the partiers could be downstairs making noise. Yeah. Maybe. I'm, I'm unsure. This is really cool. So the ground floor, you come in as a, an athlete hub or just an Australian hub. And yeah. uh, there was a few TVs. You could watch all the different sports, bean bags, or snack area where you could get Aussie food like Oreos and Vegemite. So, awesome. yeah, it was uh, that's cool. And then you, there's lots of cool stuff to do. There's a gym in the village. There's more athlete hubs where you can go and just get free stuff. And then the dining hall is like four soccer pitches big. Wow. And there's lots of different cuisines, and it's all just buffet. You just take what you want. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I was um, watching an interview with. Sean White, the US snowboarder, uh, and he was asked who were the biggest partiers in the Olympic Village, and he said the Australians. <laughs> well, we, we were at the end, so Synchronous Swimming wasn't allowed to party until the final evening. Oh, that's but, so frustrating. Uh, yes, I do think the Australians are big partiers. They're <laughs> also a very sheltered sport, and mm. um, Synchronous Swimming and Gymnastics, we sort of move around in little tight knit groups. Right. And, we're, you know, we're very, very sheltered. I think it's just how the hours that we have to train and yeah. the, the reputation that we have to uphold because it's, I mean, we're fighting against a reputation that everyone thinks we're just water ballet. So yeah. we have we have to hold ourselves quite quite professionally. Not that other sports don't, but I think that's why they're a bit strict on us. Mm. But either way, the closing ceremony party well, so it was our building <laughs> and Germany was next to us and just downstairs on both buildings was packed with all people from different countries. It was it was a pretty hectic evening. I actually, leaving the opening ceremony, I, I left with a metre tall sparkly silver crown <laughs> and other people left with all different costumes taken from the closing ceremony. And so you have in the ground floor of the Australian building and the German building, there's all these weird costumes and crowns and... Oh, it was such a fun evening. I don't know how they got drinks in there. <laughs> that wasn't so is, my problem, though. I just got to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Is there no alcohol or anything? No. Yeah. You, yeah. Usually no, but I think there was an exception on that evening. I'm not yeah. sure. Last night. You've all worked hard. Yeah. <laughs> is there um, sort of obviously before the, the closing when, you know, there's still competitions to go, is there a – a feeling of community between all the countries or is it that feeling of competition? Oh, um, it's different, I guess, because you don't know what a lot of people are, what a lot of people's sports are. So, for example, mm. in the dining hall, it's easy to just start a conversation with someone. There's no rivalry, really. Even yeah. within the synchro world, I think because we're so much not a threat 
people are quite nice to us <laughs> yeah yeah um how many do you just compete the once during the olympics or yes yeah. yeah so um there's two routines that you do mm-hmm. and two duets well right. two duet routines yeah so in rio i was only in the team so i did the technical team and the free routine mm-hmm. but there's also a technical duet and a free duet so i'll be swimming all four events in tokyo do you prefer swimming do you prefer doing the the duet or the team competitions they're very different they are very different um I like duet because in the past it's been very personal routines so mm-hmm. there's, I, I guess there's a bit more passion behind it or individuality behind it that's a better word yeah but in the team you feed off each other so much and there's certain seasons where you do have a lot of personality inside your team routine as well Mm. Uh, so I love them both for different reasons that's awesome and before we move on from Rio I have to ask um and this might just be because um I am the queen of dad jokes um how often was I go to Rio by Peter Allen sung or played while you were in Rio or while you were going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes I remember now I'm about to say no I never heard it no yeah, we heard it a lot <laughs> a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah it's funny yeah that's, oh. that's all I would do if I was there I would just be annoying everybody by singing that over and over again oh so good yeah um now we were talking about Tokyo a little bit how how did you first hear about it getting postponed how did you feel about it when stories so we had so we qualified for the games last year at our world championships mm-hmm. and then in february or late january this year we were in canberra for our olympic trials so we had to qualify our own spot and i went home to my parents in sydney afterwards got my results we all came back to canberra so we went home for four days and then we all came back to canberra we were supposed to have a two-week training camp then we were supposed to go to french open then we were supposed to go home for seven days and then training camp for four weeks another competition home for seven days and that was the cycle we were going to do yeah competition home for a week and then we were about to i think it was sunday and we were supposed to leave for france on the monday and we just got told everything was cancelled that was that was oh we got told that we're not going to France so we were super upset and that we were got told that we're just going to stay in Canberra for the next four weeks instead of going to France so after having already been in Canberra for three weeks to know that you have to be there for another chunk (laughs) I mean it's quite difficult so we uh we went to Kmart and we got a lot of things to personalise our rooms just to yes, make it a little bit nicer. Yes, the 24-hour Kmart in Belconnen, I am familiar. Uh. That exact one. <laughs> and then we came back to Perth. Oh, we, everyone went home, so I came back to Perth and it was only supposed to be for seven days. So we left most of our stuff in Canberra and within that seven days, Australia, Canada announced that they weren't sending a team. Australia then announced that they weren't going to send a team even if the Olympics went ahead. And then the IOC announced that the Olympics weren't going ahead. It was absolute roller coaster, and then the country. We went into a semi lockdown where so many things closed, and I thought, oh, no, anything to do. Okay, I'll enroll in uni four weeks late. So I did that. I enrolled in full time uni to give myself something to do, so I didn't just oh sit God. there and be sad that I wasn't going to the Olympics. Yeah. Um. 
so that was a little roller coaster. And then we started doing lots of Zoom training sessions instead because our coach also lived in Karatha. So we were all over the place. How do you do a Zoom training session for swimming? Oh, it was just so I'd do it in my living room. It would it wasn't swimming, it was just sort of stretching and doing right, workouts yeah. together and doing all that the physio exercises together. Yeah. It was very because everything's delayed on Zoom and there's only so much you can do. I found it was quite time consuming, but it was good to stay connected with the team during that time. Yeah, absolutely. And when um when did you find out? I don't even know when they announced it that they were postponing to 2021 shortly after I think it was in March yeah was that a bit of a relief that you weren't going to miss out yeah well it it was but also I remember saying in Canberra oh if it is postponed one year I can't do this for another year I'm not doing it (laughs) (laughs) and then it got postponed and I thought okay okay I'll but guess we, we I'll go to the Olympics. Um, we have had a couple of teammates retire. Oh, okay. Because they they can't they couldn't yeah. justify sacrificing their life for another year. Um, yeah. Which you know I completely respect. You know you have to do what's right for you. So mm-hmm. one of those was my duet partner. Oh no. Uh, yeah, it was it was hard, but I found a new duet partner, and at the end of the day, for the one who retired, this is the right choice for her yeah yeah wish for is that you know she's happy and does does what she needs to do yeah absolutely and so obviously the the olympics are every well generally every four years this obviously has put a bit of a kink in that but what do you do in those in between years are you still training as as part of the same team or do you sort of rest for three years and then get back into it no we we have a national team program going the whole time Mm -hmm. we should have a centralized program going the whole time that's what most other countries have yeah. but we haven't we just haven't got the infrastructure yet to do that but what we do continue to do is come together for training camps and then compete internationally there are two world championships in each cycle mm-hmm. so we go to those so it's still very busy years yeah and you mentioned earlier that you moved to Perth because of synchro but it's not a centralized team so why why did you move to Perth and why doesn't everyone move to the same place? I think the two strongest states right now in Synchro are Queensland and WA. Mm-hmm. In Sydney and Melbourne, I think it's a lot more difficult because they are competing with really big other sports. Yeah. And the funding is very difficult as well. That's Whereas fair. I know here in WA, we've, they've got a good funding pool. Mm-hmm. And the, at the time when I moved, the assistant national coach was also living here. So it made good sense for me to be over here. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, my sister also wanted me to ask you about the outfits. You guys get some pretty mm-hmm. incredible outfits. Mm-hmm. Do you have um, a favourite? Is that a team decision or a coach decision on what the mm-hmm. outfit's going to look like? So for team, you we have a designer here in Australia. Mia Dore, she is our swimsuit sponsor, but you can always also just buy bathers from her. I do it all the time. Great. <laughs> uh, so she does training bathers and competition bathers, and we'll, we'll send her our theme and sort of what we want, and she'll send back some designs, and usually we say yes, but usually we say yes and maybe just change this. 
Yeah. And uh, then you can either get them non-blinged or ready blinged up. And if they're non-blinged, then you just do it yourself. My favourite is probably my technical duet bathers from last year. Mm-hmm. They, It's a routine to Rolling Stones paint it black. So awesome. we've got like red and black bathers, V-cut, um, tie up around the neck, low back. So kind of a little bit sexy, but a little bit rock and roll. You know? Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to ask, you see often on the internet those um, photos of um, synchronised swimmers pulling ridiculous faces as it's been snapped sort of mid-routine. Have you ever been caught in one of those or do you feel sorry for the I've people who get those? <laughs> I've been caught in those a lot. Uh, I actually have a folder on my computer just full of screenshots of my teammates' faces. <laughs> And now they all know. (laughs) (laughs) The secret is out. (laughs) (laughs) We are getting to the end of um, the interview here. And before before we wrap up, I always like to ask a random question towards the end of the interview. Um, And it's different each time. So my random question for you is who is your weirdest or most unexpected celebrity crush oh i have one but i can't think of it why can't i think of it no it's not very unexpected at all well i think ewan mcgregor is one of the most sexy people out oh he's fantastic but that's not weird because that's 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 pretty normal to find yeah quite beautiful so it was like the my inspiration for this question was um, a couple of weeks ago I was chatting with someone at work during a lunch break and I don't know how it came up in conversation, um, but they said a friend of theirs weird celebrity crushes Elton John. Um, I see that? I see it. I definitely see it. Yeah. 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 I definitely had a crush on Scar from Lion King two. Yeah. From yeah. Different one? to the no, star no, from Scar, the not Scar, not Scar, not Scar. Um, Kovu, which I think is Scar's son or oh. nephew from Lion King 2, because then he falls in love with the princess and he's actually good, but he starts off as like the bad boy. Oh. And it's not healthy to have a crush on a cartoon lion. I mean, I, I think um, Nala <laughs> really brought out a sexual awakening in a lot of people when Lion King oh, yeah. came out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, again, sort of the same as you. I don't know if this is particularly weird, um, but Bradley Whitford is is sort of my unexpected celebrity crush. Um, I don't know if you've watched The West Wing. He's Josh Lyman in The West Wing. Um, but, yeah, he's probably my, my sort of weird one. And, and my final question for you, which is one um, I ask everyone who comes on the show, the show is called Loud and Seemingly Confident because that's how I want to describe myself. Do you consider yourself a confident person? I do. I do. Sometimes I have to fake it to make it. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago I was not confident. I was very much the opposite. And it's been a, a long journey to find my confidence again. So I grew up quite confident and then went through this little dip of having a lot of insecurities. And they're still there, but I've done a lot of work to find my confidence again. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I think there's a particular type of confidence to do something even when you're not confident in it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, a, it's a different type of confidence, but it's it's still a really impressive skill, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on to learn so much about all of this. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps us get this seen. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at Chelsea J. Heaney, or you can follow the podcast at Loud and Seemingly Confident, both on Instagram and Facebook. Amy, where can people find out more about you? On my Instagram, amy.thompson. Or if you go on the Australian Olympic page, uh, I'll be on there as well. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. No worries.